This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. I love the internet. The internet is undefeated. Maybe you've heard that um, phrase before, but it has its unique ability to make humor and uplift seemingly normal things to internet history, right? Well, one of those things happened six years ago. In Hong Kong, uh, the weather had no forecast for rain, but a big storm came in, and there was a ton of flooding that happened. This picture was taken of a gentleman at Starbucks who seemingly became known as uh, Uncle Starbucks because, as you can see, there was flooding happening throughout the mall and in the Starbucks area. This gentleman didn't care one bit. Right? He's got his coffee, he's got his newspaper, and he is enjoying what he came there to do, flood or not. A story goes is that he just kept sitting there until the floods had receded and everything had been cleaned up, and he walked on out. Went about his day. I show you this picture because I think it's a great little picture to what I believe the text we're going to jump into today illustrates. If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been walking through the book of Ecclesiastes, and today we find ourselves in Ecclesiastes 9. I think this picture shows that there is some bad stuff going on, some bad news, not all is right, but that this gentleman is enjoying himself through the bad situation he finds himself in. I think it's a good way for us to think about Ecclesiastes 9 today. So if you have your Bibles, open that up to Ecclesiastes 9. We're going to start in verse 1 this morning. We're going to run through the first five or six verses to get to the meat of the text. But as we do that, I want to um, explain what Solomon's talking about um, in these first couple verses. So beginning in verse 1, Solomon says this, but all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Solomon is acknowledging God's sovereignty here when he's talking about this concept of in the hand of God. God is over all things. He's in control of all things. God is sovereign over all. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. Verse 2, it is the same for all since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked. Now, when Solomon's talking about this event, this event that happens, he's talking about death, right? He's talking about passing away, dying. It is the same for all. And then he goes on to describe, listen, it's the same for the righteous and the wicked. It's the same for the good and the evil, the clean and the unclean. To him who sacrifices, him who does not sacrifice, they're all going to die. Your clean, your unclean, your good, your evil doesn't change the end, and that is death for all of us. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears as he who shuns an oath. Picking up on the next verse, verses four and five. But he who is joined with the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. Interesting little proverb there. A living dog is better than a dead lion. 
For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, for their memory of them is forgotten. So, so, so far, Solomon has given us in the first two verses, whether you're clean, unclean, good, evil, you're all going to die. It will not change. Has no effect whether you're going to skip death or not. But in this second portion, he's giving us something different. He's saying, listen, there's an advantage to living compared to the dead. Right? Alistair Begg, one of my favorite pastors, when he was talking about this proverb, put it this way. He said, I've never walked out of a Dunkin' Donuts and asked somebody, hey, how you doing today? And their response be, well, I'm living dog, right? Better than a dead lion. <laughs> right? To put it a different way in a context that probably you've heard sometime this week, this month, this year, I'm vertical, aren't I? I'm breathing. I'm healthy. Many of those responses are normal, the way that we would say the same thing. But Solomon is comparing, he says, the living have hope. They have hope to grow, to be redeemed, to be saved. They have hope. So Solomon has compared these two things. Now, he begins to take a turn. And I believe that not only does he believe that the living have hope, but that they also have the opportunity to enjoy. Enjoy their life. Enjoying what God has given them. So he picks up in verse 7. Go then, in light of these truths, you're going to die. Right? It's good to be living. Go then, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. He goes on in verse 9. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. All the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. Because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Solomon is imploring us that in this brief life that we have, that we are to enjoy what God has given us as gifts. Good food, linens, oil, and our spouse. To put it another way, we are to be aware that our days are numbered. But instead of lamenting this fact, we are to see it in this brief span allotted to us as an opportunity to rejoice in God's generosity. To even phrase it in a different way. We are to treat every single day as a special occasion. I don't know about you, but I have this habit. When I wake up, I grab my phone and I look at my calendar. I look at what's on the docket for the day. And I have a bad tendency to pre-describe whether my day is going to be good or bad based upon what's on the calendar. Right? Ooh, this is going to be a tough day. I have that really hard meeting and then I got to go do this and... Uh, and then we got to run and rush and go. I pre-describe my days sometimes. I, I do the opposite as well. Oh, today's going to be a great day. Got nothing on the calendar. I get to do what I think needs to be done today. But I think what Solomon is encouraging and imploring us to do is to treat each and every day as a special opportunity to enjoy God's great gifts that he's given us. That is what I think he's doing here. Now, if you've been around Woodland Hills very long, 
you know that this church has done a phenomenal job about honoring, uplifting, and cherishing the great gift we've been given in marriage. Right? I stand before you as like a, at this moment in time as like a really cool full circle moment. Because 12 years ago, um, a message was preached that really got the ball started for me and my wife to get together and get married. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for this is church's commitment to be speaking on marriage and the biblical principles and truths that go along with it. I'm so grateful for that. I'm honored by it. I'm honored to be up here. But I think it begs a question for us that we all in some ways have to answer. Right? Yes, Scott. Yes, Solomon. Let's enjoy it. Easier said than done, right? Why is enjoying these things so hard? I love my wife. She is the absolute bomb.com. Okay? But I also have to acknowledge that marriage is hard. It's difficult. Enjoyment can be tough at times. My thought is this. The game of life is a grueling game. Work is hard. Relationships are tough. Family dynamics. Health concerns. The list is endless. We do not have, we have a multiple thing, we have multiple things knocking at the door that are all over the map in the game of life, aren't they? Right? Any of you Chiefs fans out there have a moment in the Bengals game where you didn't think we were going to win? Okay, because I was all over the map. I'm thinking, we got to break this down. We got to rebuild it. No way Joe's going to do it again. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, you know. I'm screaming, I'm yelling, I'm jumping, my kids are crying, we're all over the mat, right? And much like the game of life, we experience the same thing, these highs and lows, these tough things, these heartbreaks, and those things have a tendency and ability to take away from the enjoyment of God's great gifts. The task-oriented, I got to fix this, I got to keep this plate spinning, I got to go over here and work on this that I often forget to slow down and experience and enjoy what God has put right there in front of me to enjoy. Enjoyment is difficult. Right? James 1, 2, a scripture very familiar. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now listen, I've heard this scripture a, a ton of times, right? And and And... I always, every time I hear a scripture, I just think if I didn't know Jesus and somebody came to me and said, hey, listen, you should be enjoying these trials. What? What are you talking about? I'm doing everything I can to get away from chaos, destruction, heartbreak, letdown, disappointment. I'm doing everything I can. You want me instead to consider it joy? You want me in light to know that I'm going to die someday? That whether I'm good or bad or clean or unclean, like the end is death. What a foreign concept. What a crazy way to enter into the idea of this life we've been given. Considering it joy. Pursuing enjoyment of the gifts that God has given us. How crazy is that? Well, 
me and my wife started watching this new show. And raise your hand if I'm the only person. Anybody seen Alone on a TV, show, a TV series? Okay, Netflix suggested it to us. I can't believe I clicked it, right? Feel like I fell into their trap. I loved it. Okay, this store, this, this TV series is about 10 contestants given 10 items dropped in the middle of really harsh conditions to figure out who can survive the longest. The last person stand wins half a million dollars. Okay, those of you that know me are shaking your head thinking, why in the world would you be watching this guy? You, I mean, I'm that kind of guy from Overland Park, Kansas City, okay? If you gave me good fire, good kindling, matches, lighter, and gasoline, I would still struggle to light the fire, okay? It's not like I'm critiquing this guy, being like, you should have killed the moose this way. I'm just sitting there going, he killed a moose! Oh my gosh, this is incredible. I should have been tipped off by the title of the TV show, but I was so enthralled with uh, their mastery, uh, their ability to hunt and gather, build shelter, uh, keep off uh, other animals from eating the food that they've gathered. I, I was so taken back by that. But the majority of these contestants, in the middle of nowhere, by themselves, the majority of these contestants waved the white flag, not because they couldn't gather food, not because they were too afraid of the bears, more so because they were tired of being alone. They had missed their families. They had missed their kids. They had missed their spouse. And they waved the white flag. Genesis 2.18 talks about this very concept. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. You know, when Nicole and I got married, we both uh, played high school sports and loved sports. I've always thought of us as a team. We're, we're teammates. We're teammates in this thing called life. Um, I, 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 she's my ultimate teammate, the best teammate. And I, I've already mentioned, I'm from Kansas City, right? So I, I am a diehard Chiefs fan, right? Look, I got my, my brand new Patrick Mahomes, white jersey, that's right. Let's go. Now, I've only been able to wear it four times because I've spilled something on it every single time. Uh, but I love, I love my Chiefs, right? I'm, I'm a big Jayhawk fan, right? National champs. Huge, huge. Um, I also don't understand, you know, Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, Jayhawks National Championship. The Royals, I don't know what they're doing. They've not got the memo that, like, the point is, like, to win and, like, try and win. So, um, but I love jerseys. I love wearing my jerseys. I love getting, uh, you know, Kansas City jerseys. And I bring this up because I <coughs> heard a dad one time talk about this to his son. He's going out on Friday night. He said, son, I want you to think that you're wearing a jersey tonight as you go out and hang out with your friends. And the son said, why is that, dad? He said, well, when you wear a jersey, the front of the jersey displays what team you play for. You, son, have committed your life to Christ. You have decided to follow Jesus in all of his ways. 
You see, the Royals, the Chiefs, and the Jayhawks, when you put that on, you are fighting, competing, going out to um, redeem the goals of the organization. Right? You're going out to go win a World Series. When I've given my life, me and my wife have given our lives to Christ, we have laid down ourselves. We're following Jesus. And it is his goals and desires that we now pursue. Making disciples, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, the front of the jersey tells what team we play for. But the back of the jersey tells who we get to do it with. When me and Nicole said, I do, left our parents, became one, she took on my last name, we get to do it together. McIlvain, Team McIlvain. What an honor to do that with her. Who I get to do life with. What a great gift that God has given us in marriage. An opportunity to walk through the grueling, the trials, the joys, the ups and downs of marriage. So today, I want to spend the last couple minutes just talking together about how we might do a better job enjoying the great gifts that God has given us. And specifically, in terms of marriage. So I have four things in the idea and illustration of being teammates with my wife. The first one being this. Teammates enjoy one another. We're going to start every one of these that way. Enjoyment grows when teammates see each other as teammates and not as enemies. I recently read a study about successful couples and some of the characteristics and viewpoints that they have. The study was done with many, many uh, couples uh, and their, their criteria was 10 plus years of marriage. And some of the characteristics and qualities that had helped them in that longevity and successful and healthy marriages. And this number two indicator was that they uh, demonstrated or had the uh, understanding of a team approach to marriage. A team approach. My marriage is not perfect. Me and Nicole are broken sinners and we are working through that, uh, through sanctification. And sometimes... There's a tendency where I go, are you wearing the same jersey? I, it feels like you're on defense right now and I'm on offense and we're not on the same page. You know, I, was, I, I generally go through my message and kind of walk all through this and get some feedback from her. And, and I said, I said in my like little example with her, I said, it feels like you're wearing a Bengals jersey sometimes. <laughs> and she stopped me and goes, Bengals? Don't you ever say that. If I'm playing for any team, I'm playing for the Raiders. And I mean, there was like six different emotions that went through me when I heard that. The first one was just absolute confusion, right? The second one was like, I want to know more. And I ultimately ended up in a place where I was like, I don't know, but I like it. I like it, Nicole. I don't understand it, but I like it. I like the way that you responded to that. We must see each other as teammates. God has given me the call to walk through the grueling game of life together with. When I go out and I get beat up or I'm disappointed, she's the one that I come home to and I want to confide in. I want to be encouraged and supported. And man, she does that for me on the regular. So it's to see her as a teammate and not as an enemy. The next one is teammates enjoy one another when they study and know each other. If you watch Chiefs or watch any sports at all, at some point, some commentator will say something like this. 
they just know each other. That play was unscripted, but they spent so much time together that they knew that they would go outside of the game plan and make that move. They talk about it all the time with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, right? Just listen for it at the Super Bowl. Unscripted play. He knew he was going to do that. That's because of the time they spent in knowing how each other moves and what they want to do. I think it is on me to be a consistent student to understand who my wife is. I admittedly love my personality tests. I love those things. I love them for sometimes they put language to things about myself that I go like, I know, but I just couldn't describe it that way. And vice versa. When my wife takes those and I read those, I'm going like, is that you agree to that? She's like, yeah. I go, oh, that's such a helpful way to think about that. To give you a practical example in terms of that and studying her, money, as we all know, can sometimes be a, a tough spot within marriage. We, God seemingly has this ability to put two people together that have the same front, right? Same team, but are completely different in their personality and nature, the way they see things and do things. And that's the way it is for me and Nicole in regards to money. Now, I am a certified goblin. I'm just going to tell you. I'm a saver. I like take the money and put it down. I don't care if the kids have hole in their socks. It's just wait six years and we'll get you that, okay? <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly and ramen. Here we go, kiddos, right? That's me. My wife is not that way, in a good way, right? But when she would come home and she'd buy these gifts for people, right? She'd buy me stuff. I was like, well, that's not really in a budget. I'd get like really mad and frustrated about these things. And, and it was a, like a lot of consternation for us early in our marriage. But, you know, we started learning about each other. We started doing some of these personality things. We started understanding a little bit more each other. And what I came to learn is that Nicole sees money in a way to bless people, to create memories that will last forever, right? To see it as a way to love on people. She's huge into gift giving. I didn't see that when I was, I just thought, oh, where's this in the budget? That's what I'd say. But you know, when I saw that, I recognized that, I understood that of her, it made me appreciate her. It made me enjoy that about her. When once it was a, a point of frustration, now it's a point of like, I love that. I don't necessarily have that inclination, but I appreciate that you do that. That's so healthy and awesome. Are we perfect in our finances? No. Is there still, you know, little fights about that? Absolutely. But as I know her, as I understand her, as I get to know her better, my enjoyment of who God has created her to be and how thankful I am, because we need that in my marriage. It's not healthy for just be me. Again, my kids eating ramen every night, not good, right? I need that. She balances me in that way. And that's really helpful. So I think teammates enjoy one another when they know who each other are and what, you know, how they act and operate. The third one that we have here is teammates enjoy one another when they have a game plan. You know this. The Kansas City Chiefs this week have an absolutely down-to-the-minute detailed schedule of how they're going to spend their week before the Super Bowl. That includes their practice schedule. That includes coaching sessions, figuring out their strategy and game plan for the big game, Right? The rest and recovery times, when they're going to eat, what they're going to eat, right? What the summer looks like. They have it all scheduled out. They know that prioritizing and knowing those things means success and helpful things. 
One of the leaders I've been reading in a book called The 100X Leader by Jeremy Kubitschek, he kind of talks about this idea of prioritizing and making sure on, on, on scheduling and game plans. He talks about accidental leaders, that accidental leaders are often fall into positions of leadership, and when they get there, they're either unintentional and inconsistent. That doesn't lead to good things, right? But that good leaders are the exact opposite. They're intentional and consistent. We could apply this to really anything, right? If I want to learn how to play the guitar, I could learn how to play that if I am intentional about it and I'm consistent with it. Maybe many of you have made New Year's resolutions. Pretty easy to think. If I'm just intentional about that New Year's resolution and I'm consistent about it, probably gains will happen. We must be intentional and consistent about putting together a game plan for our marriages, for our marriages and to enjoy it with our spouse. I think Ted has taught us and has done a great job of, of talking about a way and a game plan to do that with our spouses. And that is through the daily delay, the weekly withdrawal, and the annual abandon. This is a game plan that he has taught me and my wife. The daily delay, every day, are we connecting? Are we sitting down? Are we downloading? Are we talking through our day? Are we hearing how it went? We prioritizing, we're pushing everything aside to sit down and do that? Are we doing the same thing in a weekly withdrawal? We're going to grab a babysitter. We're going to make sure the kids know that mom and dad are going away. We're going to go grab dinner, go do something fun. An annual abandon. We're going to take a big trip, just me and my wife. Get away, retreat, abandon, get out. This is a game plan. These game plans help, being intentional and consistent. I, I remember my dad producing these calendars when I was a kid. He'd put a calendar up on the fridge that would have Daddy Day with me, and I looked forward to it. I'd go, oh, it's my special time with Dad. I knew that there were dates with Mom and Dad on the calendar, and I recognized that as a kid. I saw my dad make that intentional game plan. So thank you, Dad, for doing that. May we do that for our own children, that they would see us prioritizing marriage. We must have a game plan and be uh, intentional and consistent with that. The final one that I encourage us to do is teammates enjoying one another when they're unselfish. I've been a part of some teams where there is a player where they is all about them. They're taking every shot, everything's about them, and it makes it unenjoyable, doesn't it? Get me off this team. We are not a cohesive unit. We are not going towards the same goal. This is not about you. But man, you know that. When you've been a, a part of a sports team or a team at work, when everybody's on the same page going in the same direction, it is enjoyable, is it not? The same thing is true in our marriages. When we are unselfish, when it becomes, how might I serve my wife? How could I help, support, encourage? When it is less about me and walking into the house or going on the day and going, how can I love you here in this moment in time? Great teams are built when individuals are unselfish. 
great teams are built when uh, teammates are unselfish. You know, as much as we've talked about marriage in, 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 in this time, as much as we've talked about that, I know um, that uh, there are singles in here, there are those who are widows, I know that. And I, what I want to make sure you hear is that as much as we've talked about marriage, what Solomon's imploring us and encouraging us to do is something I want to come back to as we finish. Treat every day like a special occasion. We've decided to talk about marriage. Valentine's Day is coming up. It, it's, it's a big message here at Woodland Hills. But that doesn't mean that there aren't great gifts at which God has given you to enjoy. Yes, all of us will end the same fate. We all die. Our time here on this earth is not very long. Solomon encourages, implores us, teaching us to be thankful for the generous, generous gifts that God has given us. Maybe on your way home, maybe your drive home, maybe in your moment of delay with your spouse tonight, maybe it's a conversation starter. Which four of these could we grow in? Could we be more intentional? Could we be more consistent to enjoy the great gift of marriage that God has given us? What an interesting conversation starter for you all today. We're going to die. Our time under the sun is short. God loves us, cares about us, and has given us great gifts, one of those which is marriage. May we honor that gift and cherish that gift as we intentionally look to be great teammates with one another. Let's stand and pray this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the great gifts you've given us. Life is tough. Trials are hard. May we walk through those trials in joy. May we be thankful and generous hearts. And may we pursue enjoyment of the great gifts you've given us, that one of those which is marriage with our spouse. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.